let's get into the magic. I am your host, Sess. And I'm Katie. Today, this is kind of a special far out out there microsode. And Katie and I felt called to do this episode because we just recently went on a very interesting trip together. And it was to Joshua Tree, California. And We had a lot of really interesting experiences there. When we left, we started to look more into it online, in articles, TikTok. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You were on TikTok. (laughs) I was heavily onto TikTok. I was on Joshua Tree TikTok. It was kind of informing us of a sense of what we felt while we were there. And I'm just going to start this episode by talking a little bit about Joshua Tree and the area it's in. And going into this trip, I really didn't know anything about Joshua Tree other than there's a national park there. And there's these, you know, crazy looking trees, Dr. Seuss looking trees, right? Which are Joshua Trees. Joshua Trees. Yep. And that it was like a cool desert location. Did you know anything going into it, Katie? Or know much about it? Well, I had been there seven or eight years before and camped in the national park Mm -hmm. itself with a friend of mine when we were on our way to LA. Yeah. At that point, I did not even get a camping reservation because I was irresponsible and still can be sometimes, Mm. but it worked out as it usually does for me (laughs) with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Really all I knew was, I mean, the park was beautiful. The trees are very cool. Yeah. But that's it. I didn't do any kind of prior research. I apparently didn't either. It was like just going in blind. So Joshua Tree is located in Southern California. It's in San Bernardino County. And it's a couple hours away from Los Angeles and San Diego and about four hours from Phoenix. And the air, the neighboring towns that make up this whole area are Yucca Valley, 29 Palms and Landers. And we went to a really incredible sound bath in Landers at this place called the Integratron, which we are going to do a whole nother complete episode on this place because it was so fascinating. And a fun fact about Joshua Tree National Park is that it makes up the entire square footage is slightly larger than the state of Rhode Island. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty small state. (laughs) Pretty small state. It is our smallest state. Yeah. But that's crazy reference. Yes. Just for, yeah, and there's about 2 million visitors to the park every year. And this is a part I didn't know, but that there's many vortexes in the area of Joshua Tree, which is areas of increased energy. And I've Sedona is pretty famous for having vortexes. And there's a couple other locations that have like very positive, high vibrational energy centers and Sedona being one of them. And then Joshua Tree is also one of them. But I felt it was a much darker sort of energy and confusing as well. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was a high vibrational energy. It was it almost felt like a trickster energy kind of where for sure it could. It's not that it was bad. It was just a little bit, it was just trickster. Like it could, it's just going to kind of play a prank on you. And if you want to go in a dark direction, yeah, it will certainly lead you there. That was the feeling I got. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Sedona doesn't have that effect for me at all. No. Oh my God. No. I like that you said trickster because I, I would call it confusing. Like there's a couple experiences where we together felt confused and then learning about all the people that go missing in this area. I can see how easily confused you would get because there are no like mountain, like when you're hiking out here, there's no like, oh, there's that peak of that mountain. And I know that, you know, that's West. It's like, oh, over there, there's a bunch of Joshua trees and rocks 
rocks. And then it's like very disorienting. Yeah. All the mountain, all the mountains for reference look the same. And they're very low. Similar height, similar flow. Yeah. Yeah. They're low. So like you're saying, there's no like higher peak there. No. Where you can use that as a reference point. No. So yeah, I mean, it's like a mirage. Like you can get very, (laughs) you could get very lost there. And we didn't, I don't think we went on any hikes while we were there. We were just kind of chill. We opted not to do that. We wanted to, I wanted to, but um, for whatever reason, which you'll probably find out later, (laughs) we decided not to go just intuitively. Right. Yeah. And I'm really glad we we didn't. I agree. I found an interesting article as we were kind of preparing for this episode that it's on vice.com and it's called Murder in the Mojave. <laughs> Homicide. <laughs> and the Mojave Desert is part of this whole area. It's like the Mojave meets the Colorado Desert and that's what makes up Joshua Tree. But there's also like a very large preserve called the Mojave National Preserve, which I drove through on the way to get to Joshua Tree. Like I drove from St. George, Utah through Vegas into California and you're you go through this like empty desert and Katie it's kind of like you go straight for seven miles then you take a right and go right for seven miles and then you take a left for five and you're just it's constantly that yeah you never know how far back you are and you don't really have a frame of reference for (laughs) it either and I wouldn't say that I'm brilliant at directions but usually and I do this and I do this all the time. Like I'll play games when I travel internationally and I just see after a day or two of being there, can I figure this out? If I go here, can I find my way home without a GPS? And I do. So mm. I do have a pretty good internal compass with that stuff. And I had I never had any idea where I was here. Yeah. And and I never have any idea. I don't have a good internal compass at all. So we're a great team. So it was crazy for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I I had this feeling, and I even texted Katie as I was driving kind of through the desert. I went through this town called Amboy, I believe it's called. And I'll actually post a picture because I like abruptly pulled off the side of the road because there was like a giant Buddha statue, a gold Buddha statue in the middle of this off the side of the road with stickers and people had left. What would you call that? Like when people leave offerings? Offerings, yeah. Yeah, on all over. And I thought, well, this is just really cool. And then the, the energy, you know, Katie and I are coming from this as a frame of reference as like people who pick up on energy very easily of people, of places. And I immediately just started to get like, where the fuck am I? Like, this is pretty weird. This isn't like the kind of like glamping, gorgeous Airbnb. Instagram version of Joshua it, This isn't Instagram. I'm not, yeah, this isn't the Instagram version of the area. What I learned is you're seeing just a very small snapshot of what the actual town and the actual environment and temperature and all of that of of the entire this county is. San Bernardino County is pretty large, but it's mostly desert and very small towns. And this is in the southern part of the county, these, you know, Yucca Valley, Joshua Tree and 29 Palms. But it's everything is pretty far apart. It's like, a I felt like kind of an illusion. And I texted Katie as I was driving out of the Mojave Preserve. And I was just like, this is cult haven. I feel like I feel like this would be <laughs> the best place for a cult to, to set up shop because you're in the middle of nowhere. You have a house with tons of property and there's shacks and there's cars and there's RVs and there's trailers. And there's just, it was, it was like cult. I 
feel washing like washing machines and place. televisions and all of that sort of stuff. There's just it was there was no standard for things, which is very interesting. And like you're saying, everyone had a lot of every property had a lot of space. Yes. And they all kind of kept to themselves, it felt like. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a neighborly type of situation where we were. No. And nobody seemed to ask a lot of questions. You know, it just, it was... Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like, uh, it did seem like, and not just Joshua Tree, but the whole area, like, if you wanted to start a cult, it's a good place. That's our recommendation. Not that we're recommending that. That's our official recommendation for where to start a cult. I I think that there are cults there. Yeah. There I mean, are cults. Remember, there's a... Isn't there a death portal cult there? That's what we saw on online. We found a couple of websites that talked about... Okay, it was a Reddit thread, actually. Sorry. So not official, but... It was a Reddit thread that referenced another podcast called The Confessionals Podcast. He does talk about a lot of like strange, superhuman, sometimes mythical uh, beliefs in people who have seen them. And yeah. uh, there were two episodes about Joshua Tree and sort of floating around this idea of like a, a death cult, satanic cults, yes. which... Once we found this out, didn't seem that shocking to us. It, it was like, okay, well, yeah, I get that. One plus one equals two. Mm-hmm. And there was like an amazing Reddit thread where it was just like, I, somebody had just started it that was said like, has anyone else felt weird energy in Joshua Tree? And then a couple people started to say like, yeah, I, I heard people chanting in a campsite next to me. Or there was, you know, activities like that that just, or they heard un like creepy noises at night. Yeah, there was another Reddit thread about somebody saying, hey, I saw a vampire at um, this pizza place. (laughs) Yeah. And then somebody said, oh, yeah. Like, and they described the same sort of situation, the eyes, the teeth. Yeah. Now, apparently there are (laughs) vampires in LA. And I say that with and without quotations. I don't really know how I feel about the true real existence in this realm of vampires. I don't tend to lean toward that mm-hmm. belief, but I do know that LA can be a very strange place and that what I was reading about was that there are bars and places in LA where people who identify as vampires go to do vampiric things, if that's a word. So it could Seems have been... kind of like a yeah. kink too. Yeah, a kink and an identification. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know all of that. Not trying to offend the vampires. Not trying to offend our vampire community. And they're not invited to my house. So that's all I'm saying. Remember, you have to invite them in. Yeah. In Jesus' name, stay away. So, but all of this is information that we've looked up after we got back to Phoenix to Katie's house because the energy felt palpably different. During the day, during dusk is when it started to shift in something a little darker, into something a little bit more negative, into something a little bit more confusing and eerie. And then when it was dark, it was like, well, I'm not fucking going outside again. No, thank you. We each have dogs and we were outside with them, I think the first night and we were like making s'mores. Our We had a dope Airbnb that was like had an amazing outdoor setup. And we were going to like go in the hot tub. Fire pit. We were going to like hang out outside at night. Why not? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And then we were making s'mores the first night and we heard some weird noises. And Like off in the darkness, right? Off in the darkness. And I think that's also just part of the 
the idea of Joshua Tree in this whole area is that there's so much... You don't know about it? Yeah. (laughs) There's just so much that you can't see. And you're far from your neighbors. You're out... Like, we're... I mean, from town to our Airbnb, it took about 25 minutes, I would say. And part of that was on a dirt road. And then you're surrounded by... And I live... I I don't live. My family lives in Montana, some rural parts of Montana. Like, I, I have been on dirt roads, and this was a dirt road. Like, I've never seen a dirt road. Yeah, it was not kept up. But then, so we have like lots of weird, I think like the biggest thing was just a feeling of uneasiness and our Airbnb didn't have curtains or drapes like in the main room. So there's huge sliding glass doors on both walls with no way to cover the windows. Yeah. And that was unsettling. That felt very vulnerable, especially when you came inside to get away from like the the weird energy outside and then you can't really you're not really getting away from it inside either. So that was another very bizarre part that I did not enjoy at all. So basically the reason that we're telling you all of this and that there's a lead up is because Sess and I had an actual experience there that had to do with this. And it's not just the beautiful Integratron sound bowl experience that you can see on our Instagram. It was something a little bit different than that. So as Sess was saying... On Saturday night when we were there around dusk, which was about 7.30. So that's when the energies sort of shifted from this playful, enjoyable, kid-like energy to, like I was saying, something a little more trickster. Something that's like, oh, let's just see how you react to this. Let's see how you react to that. So we order pizza and we want to go and pick it up. This pizza place was in Landers, which is near the Integratron, which we had been to the night before. So we knew which direction we needed to go. And we remembered accurately, okay, you turn from our Airbnb and you take a right and you take that road for a while. Well, the second we get into the car, we our, our GPS stops working properly. And then it starts to tell us, no, you're turning at the road parallel to yours. You're turning, you're going up one road and then you're turning right and driving all the way down that road, which is not what we had done the night before at all. So we follow the GPS and it is a crazy road. And we're saying like, I'm going to explain this to you, not out of judgment, but just for reference. So there are a lot of Airbnbs in Joshua Tree and there are a lot in the area that we were in. And you could tell by the chairs on the front porch. The hipster chairs out front. Yeah, and that the roof was redone, right? And there was a paint job on the house. And then, so it would be an Airbnb, and then it would be what looked like a house, a small house or a trailer that part of the roof was um, falling in. And then there would be another house next to that, and there would be all these rusted out cars and a washing machine and a house that you don't know if somebody lives there or not, and then a nice Airbnb. And sometimes, I mean, there would just be house after house of wondering if they're inhabited. Are there people living here? I can't tell by the way the house looks. And so this road parallel to ours, once we turned down, was pretty much that energy of, I'm not sure if people, if anyone lives on this road. I can't tell by the houses there. I just, I can't tell by anything in the driveways. I can't tell by the state of the house. To me, it looks like that's a no for almost all of them. And we're driving and we're both very confused as to why the GPS is taking us that direction. And then all of a sudden we see a very large man, (laughs) bald. I would say he was 6'5 to 6'8. 
He was a I'd very say seven feet. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do six, seven. He was a very okay. large man. Yeah. And not just tall, but like a big man. Like he had, he was, a hat was substantial and he was bald wearing a blue shirt. I don't know what color pants. I'm assuming blue jeans. And he had a brown suitcase next to him standing on the edge of this dirt road. Now this dirt road is exactly like I had previously described where it was one of those places that it didn't look like anyone inhabited this area. And it didn't make any sense why this man was waiting seemingly for an Uber or for a taxi or for someone on this dirt road. He was waiting to be picked up and he was staring toward the sunset and he didn't look at us. No eye contact. Yeah. So we drive no eye contact just staring at the sunset and kind of smiling. He had this like smile on his face. And we drive past him and we're both like, this feels strange. And this road feels like we're in a different dimension. And if we continue down this, I'm scared that we're not going to get out. Yes. So we turn around and we have to drive by this man again. He doesn't even like, no expression registers on his face. The fact that we drove by him, turned around and pretty much in front of him and then had to turn back and go past him again. Yeah. Head doesn't turn. Because like some of these roads looked like they were going to a driveway or something. So it was like... Yeah, they're very, very small, almost not two lane roads. It was almost felt like private roads, but there were no signs or anything like that. And we drive by him again, and it felt like a different dimension. It felt like he didn't belong, like we shouldn't have been seeing this man. And he was waiting for something that, one, I didn't want to be around to see what it was, and two, it wasn't of this dimension or earth that was coming to get him. So we turn out on the road, and the GPS is still messing up. And so we keep, we turn the opposite direction from where we had previously gone before to go to the Integratron because that's what it's telling us to do. Yeah. None, it's telling us to go down none of these roads. Sess at one point was like, I'm not going down that road. I'm not going down that road. And we get to the last road that we can go down, which it tells us is a road. Turns out it's all sand. Like deep sand. We should have been in a dune buggy. Yeah. We should have had like unhooked our suspension type of sand. Yeah. Sess has a Jeep. There is a sand setting. So thank God for that. Blessed be. Blessed be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it was insane. At one point, what? So as we drove over a carcass, there's like the homes like we're talking about. There's no, it looks like nobody lives in this area. There's Mm-mm. shredded tents all over the place, broken plastic. There's like a watching machine, a television on the other side of the road, a rusted out old car and just like debris. Yeah. Lots of debris. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah driving down this sand and we're I mean it's like sand where we're zigzagging because you go one and then it takes you like it's it was it pulls it was a crazy yeah sand pulls it was a crazy yeah. ride and at, at one point I was just like what were, you were saying something and I was like Katie stop talking I, I was to- like we're almost there I'm looking at the GPS right yeah. because I pull out the GPS and on my Apple Maps it shows it always shows just for anyone that knows if you drive yourself somewhere and you have an iPhone and you park your car and you go somewhere else, it will show you where your parked car is on your Apple Maps. So, I mean, it's a safety thing. You can always look up on your personal Apple Maps like where your parked car is. Yep, offline. So I am have that as reference to where the house is because I was certain that there was no way in hell we were going to find our way back. And I'm looking at the GPS saying, okay, we're almost to the main road. We're almost to the main road, which was not helping Sess at the time. <laughs> So we get to the main paved road. It's asphalt, black asphalt, and we turn left on it 
which was the direction we should have gone the whole freaking time. And then it was the Joshua trees in the dark. Looks like they were reaching at us. Yeah, we're driving on this road and it's still dusk. And this road, it said six miles to where we're going to turn left. It was not six miles. Six miles did not feel like six miles. And you can drive fast on this road. And Seth was zipping around. So we weren't, <laughs> you were zipping. And so we weren't, we weren't driving slow. It was 60 miles an hour. It should have taken what we assumed it would have, it would take to get there. And yeah. six miles was not six miles. And we turned and no. then it's seven miles. And seven miles is not seven miles. And the whole, everything around us is like, tunneling in mm-hmm. toward the road. The Joshua trees, like saying, are kind of leaning in. It's just all... Yeah. It's just... It didn't make sense. No. It, it made no sense. It was confusing. It freaked me out to no end. And that one road, I kept thinking, like, when we were in the deep sand, and I'm just thinking, like, we would be fucked if we got stuck here. Oh, yeah. We're in the desert. Like, how would we yeah. get out of this? Does AAA come out here? <laughs> Like, this is terrifying. Right? And we didn't have service for half of it. No. Yeah. Once we left our Airbnb, we didn't have any service. No. Not until we got on the main road. Yeah. Yeah. And then getting it back. So, like, getting to the pizza place, which should have taken, like, 12 or 13 minutes, took, like, 30. At least. And then getting back was fine, wasn't it? I mean, getting back. I think it was fine. Getting back was better. (laughs) It was definitely better than that because we had come from a place that felt like the real world and grounded and we were then entering back into where we had where we were staying. Yeah. So that helped. But the drive was still similar where it just, it felt like it was taking forever. Yes. It was a very surreal, otherworldly feeling of being, and I haven't experienced that anywhere I've traveled before or ever really in my life, like that the environment I was in. Things don't make sense. Right. So I kind of, not to that, not like that before, but I do have some trippy. I I do have a lot of trippy experiences sometimes, especially traveling alone, like internationally and stuff. And so one thing that I learned to do, which is why I had my phone out and why I was saying we're almost there. And I was bringing myself back into the reality that I knew was because I know that if you trip out, you get caught up in that energy and you can choose yeah. to believe in the energy that we're talking about or not. But for me, if I if I play part in it and I accept it, like, oh, I'm in trickster energy and then it gets to control and run the show, then I'm a victim of it. I just play a role in that. But if I'm sitting there actively going, no, I'm in my energy. This is my energy and this is where I am and this is where we're going and this is how we're getting back and I'm safe and I'm fine, then it always ends up fine for me. Yes. So that's... That's kind of what I was doing the whole time that we were on that. I didn't realize that I really needed to do that until I saw that man. Oh, the man, yeah. Yeah, the man. And then I thought to myself, okay, I need to see where my car is parked and I need to give us reference for where we're at because we could get very confused and very lost here. Yeah. And it helped to kind of... (laughs) We like held hands. <laughs> <laughs> we did hold hands. I was like, Katie, say a prayer. And then she put on, <laughs> you put on like, I don't even know, like 
heart frequency meditation. Yeah, like angel heart meditation music. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, okay, we're protected by our angels, our angelic realm, what we believe in, we're safe. And that was grounding and helpful because this energy was not grounding. Mm, no. It was and spacey. That's, and that's part of it where it's like, it's it felt a little, like I was saying, trickster energy, which is like uncanny, which is just not fully grounded in this reality. Mm-mm. And that's a beautiful thing to not be grounded in this reality as the only reality and only plane of existence, but n- only when I want to be there, not when... When somebody else or some other energy is saying, hey, you need, I'm going to bring you here. I'm going to bring you here. It's like, no, you don't feel safe to me. I will do it when I feel safe to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that brought us to, after that experience, we started doing all this research. And that's why Sess is saying this is maybe a three-part microsode of uh, far out and out there experiences because this was our personal experience, which led us to look into some patterns and experiences of other people, as well as, you know. People on TikTok. Yeah, people on TikTok and then research that we've done about cases and missing people and experiences in the desert, etc. So we will bring that on the next portion of this. And then we'll also talk about the man. Do you remember his name who built the Integratron? Uh, I think it was George Van Tassel. Of course it was, because that's an amazing name. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it was. (laughs) We recently, we did a little reel on our Instagram page if you want to check that out. And yeah. we might do another one too, because we couldn't include as much as I wanted to on that. Yeah. And that was cool because he he built that because he got alien he was an alien contactee mm-hmm. and he pretty much downloaded how to build this thing. And no, mm-hmm. I don't think at this point anyone really knows what the purpose of it was or why he built it. If it was to supposed to be a spaceship, I mean, it can't fly, but it is a very unique shape and it is a very unique construction without any kind of screws. Like the type of carpentry that it takes to do something like that is immense. So there's just a lot to unpack about that place. And we, we'll do it on another episode because I think that his story, his journey, why he went there, what he, George Van Tassel, what he did there and what he built and like it, the Integratron was such a pocket of like, oh, this feels really good here. It really did. Yeah. It felt really good there. And to be, it was so just like a very grounding, safe, sacred energy there that the rest in contrast was just interesting. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. It was, this was very, the entire experience was so unexpected. And I was just joking with Katie because I keep asking people like, hey, do you have any weird stories you want to come on the podcast and talk about? And a lot of people say no. And I'm like, oh my God, we have enough for like- How do you not? Yeah. 10 just from that trip to Joshua Tree. <laughs> I will say something though, just about the like obscure, darker energy that I felt there. And that's that. I mean, there w- dark energy and light energy come, I mean, that's the dark and the light. They're all the same, right? So it's about use and application of that. Often, I think it's easier for people to connect to something a little bit darker because it plays off of some of our base human Um, wounds and instincts, which have to do with like power and control. And I'm not talking internal power. I'm talking like power and control over other people, Mm -hmm. over yourself, over the, the natural world which is kind of the way that our society functions now. Power, I mean, all of the stuff that we're doing to the environment, a lot of it is power control over the natural world. It's man inserting and exerting itself on nature to control mm-hmm. nature. It's way easier to fall into that because that's what we're shown and it doesn't require tons of work to do that. 
Whereas the more beneficial energy has, it requires a lot of clearing. Like you have to be clear of all of that stuff, that need for power and control, that need for anything and everything that, that is not just you being a clear spirit and just being you. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot to do that because because when you're working with beneficial energy, you have to be a vessel of that, a conduit of it. You're not you're holding it in your body and expressing it outwards, but it's because it's not picking up your shit in your body and then expressing all that shit stuff. I got in trouble for cursing last time by my mother. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And expressing all of that stuff outward negatively toward people because that causes harm. That's like sorcery. That's not healing. Yeah. And so I just think that there might be a draw to it because it's easier to to do it in that way, whether we know it or not, verse the intense discipline it takes to to constantly heal and clear and evolve oneself so that the pure energy that you're taking in is the pure energy that you're expressing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautifully said. Yeah. And we've done a lot of clearing after that. It's my final thought on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of saging, just lots of, for me, decompressing and separating uh, fear from what I know to be true and what I trust. And yes, because I think that sometimes when you go through things like these, it can be easy to pick up on negativity and darker and entity energy. And to know when that comes in is to be able to discern what I want to feel and what I want to give and what I do not, what I don't want to participate in at all. Yeah. And so I was listening to an audiobook. I think it's called Plant Teachers. Mm-hmm. And it was about, I can't remember the third type of plant, but it was about tobacco and ayahuasca and then another type of plant because tobacco is the the master plant of the Americas. So it actually holds a really important role. And it's the pure nicotina rustica I think that's like the wild tobacco that that plays that role. But this this man that was being interviewed, who was a shaman from Peru, not in the Shipibo tradition, but in another tradition that I do not remember the name of, he was talking about because in in some cultures like that, healing cultures like that, there is this idea of good shamans and bad shamans and like witchcraft, good witchcraft and bad witchcraft, white yeah. magic and black magic. And he was talking about what to do when people come to you and say that they're afraid that they had that they're possessed or that they have some negative energy or something like that on them. And he goes, well, that's what they're choosing to believe. Mm -hmm. And so they do have it because they've made the choice. Essentially, these are not his words, but essentially to make that their reality. Yeah, And I just kind of love that because it's this idea of, oh, I've chosen to make this negative thing my reality. Mm -hmm. So I can choose to not make it my reality as well. Just like with anything, you can choose differently. Yeah. And that's that's power. Just like scary movies only work if you're if you believe them, if you're in the narrative of them, mm-hmm. if you really like take a step back as an observer, they're not, <laughs> they're not scary anymore. If you don't apply them to your personal experience in your life and make them a possibility for you, then it's not scary, mm. right? If you get rid of the possibility of it, then it's just this like crazy dramatic thing that's happening. And why is that happening? Mm-hmm. So that's easy to say when it's not getting dark outside, <laughs> Katie. <laughs> Yeah, but we are well and we are safe and we are protected. And that's all we need to remember. Yes, and we will continue to talk about our little (laughs) adventure. Yeah, we hope you're interested. The things that piqued our interest about 
the area, the good and the interesting. Mm-hmm. So please be sure to follow us on our Instagram at Into the Magic. That's the CK at the end or email us at into the magic at gmail and we will have a website coming out very soon mm-hmm. so stay tuned for that and thank you so much for listening and let us know if you have any interesting stories about any places you visited yeah we would love to bring some of you guys on yeah or read an email or mm-hmm. whatever you want so thank you so much for listening yes we love you and until next time stay in the magic <laughs> <laughs>